Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam King, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. What do, Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? And the charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Hey, man, I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic, usual suspect Anthony Slater on the program today, coming from his West Coast hub. And we got another West Coaster, friend of the program, friend in life, uh, all things Lakers. Jovan Buha has certainly been on the pod before. Jovan... Uh, you thought you might be out in Cancun. You thought you might be, uh, you know, mowing the lawn. I don't know if you have a lawn. You thought you would be doing. I, I don't, and I, I wouldn't be mowing it if I did. <laughs> <laughs> I literally mowed my lawn today, as an aside. Suburban life. Um, your your Lakers I'm are not a in... handyman. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. This is not a, a a Bob Vila podcast, but mowing a lawn doesn't make you a handyman. That's all right, though. Your Lakers are. Uh, in the second round of the NBA playoffs, what is happening? A couple months ago, when you and I were reporting on the Russell Westbrook experience in Lakerland, and prior to that, you know, all kinds of drama with the Lake Show, but most of it did not involve winning games. They turn their season around. Rob Palenka wins the NBA trade deadline. They play well down the stretch. They they get to the second round, and they now find themselves. And that's why today's pod is. Is perfect because Slater is all things Warriors first and foremost. They uh, they find themselves taking on the one, the only Steph Curry and the Warriors. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this in the second round, guys. It's you know Steph versus LeBron is the the kind of boxing style headline billboard framing of this series. First time since 2018 when they met in the finals that we have seen them. Fifth time total. Uh, that was a very long intro, but thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. I can't wait to dive into this series. Jovan, what's up, sir? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I think, well, it, technically, do we count the the playing tournament? Because they did meet in 2021 uh, in the 7-8 matchup. The Lakers won by three. Fair. Fair. Uh, I mean, the Doesn't Warriors, the NBA Warriors... like, not even count those stats? They're no. these like, mysterious... <laughs> stats don't count. That, that's when like Draymond poke LeBron in the eye. 
LeBron hits that like 34 foot dagger where he's says oh, where he was like, I was seeing fans. three baskets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but you know, that I, I feel like that's that that's a, like that's probably the closest thing we have to a preview of like what this could look like, maybe because the regular season matchups, it, it's a little tough to take away. Like, um, you know, three of them happen after the trade deadline. So technically, w- Which with the Lakers, I think makes group. the data more useful, right? But Le- LeBron missed two games. Steph missed two games. Wiggins missed two games. So yeah. it's like, you know, any matchup without LeBron or Steph, it's just, you know, you can only take away so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a tough series. Uh, I think both like for, for both teams, really, it's a stylistic 180 compared to the the previous opponent they just had in, in the first round for the Lakers. They were playing a Grizzlies team that just could not shoot. And, and the strategy was pack the paint, funnel everything to AD. And I know they're going to try to do some of that against the Warriors, but you are going to have to live with with those you know three point barrages that they go on. Uh, and, and obviously for for Golden State, um, a, a much different offense in, in the Lakers, and you know them attacking the rim, trying to get to the free throw line, much more physical, bigger defense. I, I think also in the Lakers. So really, I, I'm interested to see kind of the, the game one feel out process of both of these teams having to adjust drastically to their previous. Uh, I think schemes really on both ends and kind of how that chess match plays out uh, in like that first, first quarter, first half. Yeah. The schemes will be interesting, but even before that, like just, I think this is really good for the league. Um, I think the first round, especially the war, you know, Lakers Memphis was a really good first round series, better than your typical first round series. Obviously storyline filled the ratings were good. Warriors Kings exploded ratings wise. Um, it went seven, which, you know, the league always loves a good game seven, particularly, you know, and they wouldn't obviously say this, but if their brand moves on, right, and it moves on right into Warriors Lakers, where it's, you know, this will probably outrate last year's finals, right? This will probably outrate most of the, particularly the the last few finals. Like, this is going to be huge uh, branding wise, I think, for the league at this part of the calendar. And also, from a Warriors perspective, they get home court, which means that they could get an extra home game in the second round, which they did not see coming, right? I think this, I think I saw a stat that this is the latest in the playoffs a six seed has ever had home court, which means there's never been a six seven in the second round, uh, which is kind of might crazy. explain why we had two columns on the athletic today about whether or not the regular season matters anymore. But yeah, that's a different it topic. Is, yeah, it is fair. I mean, and Jovan just laid it out how, like, how much can we really take from the regular season matchups? I just had the same thought when I was previewing Warriors Kings, and basically now it's like every matchup you don't even know going in because it's like this guy didn't play with, but I wanted to go back to quickly for the Warriors. I just think. This, from a financial standpoint, is huge for them. To squeak by the Kings and to get the money that is going to be flowing in gate-wise in this second round, you're probably thinking, this is going at least five, right? Nobody's predicting a sweep. That's at least three home games and home Lakers playoff games where the pricing I've already seen for both venues is is, is skyrocketing. So I just think as the Warriors enter this kind of unknown landscape, what are they going to do this offseason, this crazy tax bill and all the CBA implications that are ahead, I just think Lakers Warriors comes at a very good time for both league and I think both franchises. Slater, so 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 much concern for the league's bottom line. You know, you just worried about this plucky little basketball league that's well, not making much. Would money. you would you both agree that like the ratings have been concerning the last few yeah. years, the last half decade? Like it's no, been it on is, a downturn. For sure. And you know what the 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 part of me that just enjoys the game would say that what I've what I like about how it's unfolded so far. Tell me if you guys disagree. Is that it's been fairly 
holistic, organic, whatever you want to call it, meaning we don't have many controversies in terms of like like Slater, you you kind of alluded earlier to the league's brand getting through on the Warriors side in the second round. The Warriors went and beat the hell out of the Kings in game seven from a basketball standpoint. There's no controversy. It's not an officiating conspiracy theory type of thing. It's just lining up this kind of way. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, Lakers Grizzlies, not to go too far backwards, but that was compelling. That was fascinating. Old versus young, you know, Jovan on the Warriors side, I was cracking up because the Warriors made such a big deal out of what I thought was a fairly innocuous Malik Monk quote, not saying there, he did not call them old. He said, you know, we're a little younger than they are, but it it was that similar like Dylan Brooks type of quote. So you had that old versus young thing in Warriors Kings. Uh, it's good theater, right? And, and it was compelling and entertaining. And yes, now you have Lakers Warriors second round. I actually, I don't think this guy would mind me sharing this. Like Rich Paul was at the Kings game, uh, you know, game seven, and I saw him on the way out of the building, and and he was just kind of like shaking his head at the idea that LeBron and Steph were meeting in the second round. Like it, he was almost lamenting, like, you know, it's too bad it's not the conference finals, but whatever. Like the conference finals still have all kinds of good possible matchups down the line. Um, I, I think it'll be fun. And to go back to Jovan, how I kind of threw it to you, you know, uh, how do you see this in terms of? Uh, the Lakers and the question of of how legitimate they are right now uh, and how dangerous they are right now, because it is still my brain is is still having a hard time compartmentalizing or or processing the before and the after of who they are. And then I've just seen the Warriors play like the good old fashioned dynasty Warriors. You know, I, I do have the Warriors winning this series in however many games. Uh, I think they are the better team. But but how do you see it? Yeah, uh, I've gone back. Um, back and forth. I, I think my first initial reaction was uh, like Warriors and six or, or seven. And then I went through some film and kind of looked over the numbers. I, I guess I'm contradicting myself a little bit in, in taking away some stuff where I, I do think, um, I think the Lakers match up with the Warriors pretty, you know, well on the perimeter in terms of the, their defense and their, uh, you know, like to me, I, I just wrote a preview for, for the series and D'Angelo Russell to me is, is the X factor of, you know, I don't know who he starts on defensively. Uh, I think it's going to be clay or, or Andrew Wiggins. And then uh, if you're the warriors, you're probably targeting that guy and bringing him up into actions uh, with, with Steph and um, you know, maybe running some post-ups or, or ISOs uh, where, you know, those guys can just shoot over D'Lo and, and kind of body him and stuff. So uh, I think he's important just because offensively, uh, I know the Lakers are going to try and limit Golden State's attack, but uh, you know there's going to be stretches where it's just a shootout, and I don't think the Lakers can win a shootout if D'Lo is not on the floor. You know, with, with those, uh, you know, you saw the 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 you know runs he's had. Um, you know, the the game uh, six against the Grizzlies comes to mind in, in that third quarter where he hits four threes and, and really just buries them. But uh, he he had a couple stretches like that in that series where. Um, D'Lo really is one of those guys that can just heat up and it, it's just an avalanche of, of, you know, mid-range jumpers, uh, threes, uh, you know, pick and roll action. So I think for the Lakers to have a chance in at least a couple of these games that end up being a little high scoring, they're going to need some big D'Lo performances. Um, but I think there's just a chess match of quickly you know, on the yeah. D'Lo thing. And we've, we've got to remember there's a personal connection here too. I mean, the Warriors signed him to the big deal that he's finishing right now. And decided within 
three, four months that they just didn't think he was a winning player. To, I mean, like that was made very clear. Um, obviously traded him to Minnesota, a, a willing participant that, that not only gave them <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, uh, but also gave them the draft pick that became Jonathan Kaminga. Another side story of this series that we can maybe get to. But I just think um, what the Warriors have viewed D'Lo as and what D'Lo can maybe show uh, against them in this series is kind of a subplot. Yeah, and I, I said, you know, the, the, the kind of the final line for me in in my, uh, you know, uh, portion of the story about him being the X Factor was, I think this is going to go a long way in, in determining how much money he gets this summer. Like if, yeah. if Dilo, because Dilo had some rough stretches in in the Memphis series where, um, you know, he he was benched at times and uh, ha- had some subpar performances offensively. Two straight and, years, uh, by the way. Remember in Minnesota last year, he was benched for McLaughlin in Game Six against yeah, Memphis. So, and the Lakers have all the guys they could go to. Austin Reeves obviously has has really broken out since the trade deadline and um, has kind of stepped up as really more of the number three than than D'Lo has been, at least from a consistency standpoint. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is a Darvin Ham favorite, uh, someone he loves closing with, uh, and you know someone who's played a big role off the bench. I think it's going to be big in, in this series, defending Steph and trying to navigate screens and, and whatnot. So. I think the Lakers have other alternatives that they can go to if, if D'Lo's shot isn't falling, if he's getting picked on defensively. Uh, but I look at him on the Lakers side as, as a key kind of swing guy. Um, for the Warriors, I, I look at Kevon Looney. And, uh, you know, uh, we saw you know three 20-rebound games uh, against the Kings. And I think the Lakers are going to ignore him. I think they're going to ignore Draymond. But then you get into the the dribble handoff actions, the kind of quick hitting pick and rolls that they get into. And, um, you know, I, I think if AD and LeBron are roaming and uh, trying to put out fires on the perimeter or, you know, send more attention to Steph or Clay or, or you know, Wiggins or Poole, then now all of a sudden Austin Reeves is matched up with Kavon Looney uh, on a switch in the paint. And, you know, can he battle him and, and keep him off the glass? And, and like, it's going to be, to me, a lot of that chess match of, the Lakers guards and wings having to keep Kevon Looney and Draymond Green off the glass and, and make sure those guys uh, aren't making the Lakers pay for, you know, paying uh, again, extra attention to other guys. So just, just those little things I think are, are yeah. going to be fascinating. It's, Later, it's quick, Looney how for do you sure, see... but it's, you, it's Wiggins too on the offensive glass. Sam, you should go, but I know Wiggins, especially if they put Russell on them, they'll tell Wiggins crash. They might not post them up a bunch, but it's just like, go attack the glass. Sam, go ahead. No, I just wanted your take on the front court before you get to Wiggins, the Looney thing. Um, I mean, it was incredible to see what he yeah. did against the Kings. I mean, Jovan, he, uh, <laughs> this was kind of a funny moment. Uh, he's walking out of the locker room after game seven uh, Warriors uh, esteemed PR man Ray Ritter is trying to get him to the press conference room, and and in so many words he says, uh, "Wilt, are you ready?" And calls him Wilt, and as he as he's walking, and I kind of laughed, and Kavan was right next to me, and I said, "Man, you better tell him to get you that Wilt contract." And and quite the retort, another member of the PR staff looks at me and goes, "Yeah, that was probably about eighty grand a year, you know." So I said, "All right, fair enough, fair enough." But he was a monster against the Kings. And uh, I'm looking. Well, you at remember a, what this con- to extend your story? This conversation was about they were thanking him because he had just done his like fifth or sixth different post game interview. Right? He was right. like the, besides Steph, the star of the show, the second best player in the series. He'd just gone and done NBA TV like ISO studio interview, this and that, and I think he was like, you know, thanks again, Wilt or something. Like yes, that. I, I mean, yeah, but he looked like Wilt out there on the court too. Um, but how is that going to look against these Lakers? Because you know, Slater, I'm looking at AD's 
game log from this Grizzlies series. And I know I'm this is kind of fun with numbers. I'm framing it to make him look bad. But like three of his last five games scoring in the teens, and I think I have this right. I mean, he's coming in, uh, you know, like 14, I think, of 36 from the field combined. Um, and, I don't, you, you know, I, and that's just the up and down nature of AD yeah. and, and how that matchup looks. Your thoughts? I don't think they're that scared of him on the offensive end. I think they do know, like, look, he had a 39-point game against them this year, and if he has one of those games, especially when he's hitting jumpers, like, that's going to be very tough to beat the Lakers. But I think if if the Lakers primarily are just letting Davis go one-on-one against Draymond or Looney, the Warriors are okay with that. They feel like low, he's not that efficient of a jump shooter. Um, and as you saw with Sabonis in that series, these are, I think, two of the top – 10 best defensive bigs in the league. So they'll just take that challenge. Where I think Davis is a major problem for the Warriors is on the other end. Uh, you saw it during the regular season. Three of the Warriors' worst 15 offensive games this season came against the Lakers. Um, what they found they could do against the Kings, and this was Draymond scoring 21 in game five on the road to get a win, and obviously Steph yesterday. How many just little float shots? 22 was he just points shooting? in the paint. Yeah, just yeah. getting in there and like, oh, Demonis Sabonis is coming over. Not concerned. Lay up off the glass. That's not Anthony Davis. This Warriors team is small and in historically has struggled with size, particularly when you have an elite rim protector. I'm thinking Jaron Jackson in a Memphis series. Robert Williams. Remember how good Robert Williams was in the finals, even though he was dragging his right leg up the court basically half the time? Um, I just think Davis, he showed it in the regular season. He showed it in the past. He bothers the smaller Warriors, and then creates a very concerning question for the Warriors. Where defensively, they want to play Looney and Draymond together, right? That's this elite starting lineup. They went back to it in Game 7. But it's very tough for them to play two non-shooting bigs who don't even care about shooting jumpers, won't, um, against a team with a great rim protector. They could do it against Sacramento. I don't know if they can do it against the Lakers. So then you're talking about, oh, shift to Jordan Poole. What type of series is Jordan Poole coming off right now? Well, and that's the problem, I think, potentially offensively with the Warriors uh, is that Steph has carried them in this first round. And what if, like you said, Slater, AD is protecting that rim and those lanes get shut down. Um, now you're having to lean on Clay and Wiggins and Poole. And and I got the numbers in front of me here. I mean, you know, Clay uh, Steph was at 33.5 basically points per game in this series. And number two was Clay down at 20. And then Wiggins at 18. Jordan Poole had a tough series. He's down at 12. Um, I think that comes into play. Uh, I also want your thoughts, either one of you guys, on the Lakers being uh, so much more egalitarian, I guess you'll call it, just the way they spread things out offensively. You know, when not so long ago, this was the LeBron AD and the Misfits type approach. Um, I want to I want to yes. give Jovan that question because I'm curious. But to add to your point, Sam, I thought it was interesting. Were you in Draymond's press conference last night? I was, yeah. He mentioned LeBron being off ball more than ever and how impressed he was that LeBron was playing off the ball, much more than the Cleveland teams they're used to. The Cleveland teams the Warriors are used to was LeBron control pace the entire time, slow it down, have the ball. It seems that they believe he's a different version of himself because of who the Lakers are. Is that what you're seeing with the Lakers? Yeah. Um, so kind of fun stat from from last series, uh, the Lakers had five different leading scores in, in their six games, including, of course, once LeBron, twice AD. But Rui Hachimura led them in game one. Uh, Austin Reeves uh, led them in a game. And D'Angelo Russell uh, ended up leading them in game six. So just from that alone, 
another fun number uh, from the the championship season was that that championship group and, and you know w- one of the knocks on them throughout the regular season when comparing them to uh, the the Clippers and the Bucks was like who's the Lakers number three guy like is it Kyle Kuzma is it KCP is it like th- can those guys score in the playoffs et cetera et cetera uh, and they had one guy uh, Rondo. Uh, score 20 or more points in a playoff series uh, or in a playoff game in the bubble. And that was a uh, Rondo uh, against the Rockets. I believe that was conference semifinals already. Didn't, this... didn't he get like randomly super hot from three, one game against the Rockets. I so I, th- I think that's the game yeah. where, where he gets 21 points, but already this series Delo has had a 20, uh, you know, Delo's had a 21 point game. Or, I mean, a 31 point game. Uh, Austin Reeves has had a couple 20 point games. Uh, Rui's had a couple 20 point games. So like, you're seeing a much, I don't know if they're a better supporting cast because I think that supporting cast is underrated. They obviously won a championship, but from an offensive perspective, they're definitely a better supporting cast. And just the the weaponry that they have and the different ways they can attack you where, okay, you want to take out 80 in the post. You want to take out LeBron in the pick and roll or, or in the post. Like they have guys that can make shots. They have guys that can attack from the second side, different actions they can go to. So I really think that this is a a much better group offensively than um, than, than really any of the the Lakers' previous LeBron AD groups. Uh, and defensively, I mean, they were the best defense in the league after the, the trade deadline. So I think coming in, second like, best, Jovan, real quick in the playoffs, and it's pretty close. Them and Philly, and I know it's a small sample size, but um, Philly got Brooklyn, so I feel like that's a slight ass, right? Too, yeah, right? and they're they're right there, so the, it's it's carried over so far too. It's carried over. And I think, you know, again, to, to, you know, Slater's point, like there's, I think there's more chess match things where like, can Jared Vanderbilt stay on the floor and can, can he handle Steph or, um, you know, I think there's, there's kind of two variations of that perimeter, uh, the, the, the way they go with those perimeter matchups of, you know, one is, is Vanderbilt on Steph. And then you, you probably go D'Lo on Wiggins and, and Reeves on clay, or you go Reeves uh, on Steph Vanderbilt on either Clay or, or Wiggins, and then you, you put Russell on on the other guy. But I, I'm interested to see who they put Russell on because that to me is kind of like the 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 sign of who's the the lesser threat in, in the Lakers' eyes. Uh, and if that's Clay, like I, I got to think the Warriors are going to try and run him off a bunch of off ball stuff. But yeah, I mean um, I, the Warriors, I think would love that, right, Slater? Probably. Because if it's Clay, <laughs> first of all, he didn't have a very good first round. Uh, he's going to be thirsty. He's in his hometown. He talked at length after game seven about how excited he is and the, the kind of neat, you know, personal tie with his dad's history with the franchise. He grows up, you know, his you dad's going to be hilarious. He will be hilarious. Has he given a public prediction? I actually, I thought about calling him today. We, do we know what, what dad is, is saying? I don't know if he's given a public prediction, but it, typically every time the Warriors and Lakers play, I go on their pregame, uh, the Lakers pregame radio. And Michael Thompson's one of the people like that's within the interview, and he's just firing takes about the Warriors, and they're great. Like he was, they'll, they'll rue the day they'll trade James Wiseman, and like all these things. And it's like, it's just funny because typically it's like, wow, like this is Clay Thompson's dad saying these things. But if you're on the inside, you understand like Clay's opinions and Michael's opinions shouldn't be considered, you know. But a lot of times, I think sometimes in sports, like if a parent says it, we we ascribe it too much to the player, but Michael's going to be funny during this series, I think. No, I agree. I agree. But on the clay front, I just think he's going to be thirsty because he knows that Steph can't carry the entire group again. And, you know, we know how proud clay is. He's been reminding us all season long. If he's John with Devin Booker and flashing four fingers, you know, to remind everybody he's got four rings or, or kind of barking at Charles Barkley about the doubt that, 
you know, that, that Chuck kind of expressed earlier in the season about who Clay is in, in the here and the now. He's got a lot to play for. I think he's going to be fired up. Uh, and I think they'd be just fine with, you know, the, I mean, think about that in a vacuum. The idea of picking on Clay Thompson, even if he's not exactly what he used to be, uh, that, that's good for the Warriors. Um, and, and again, I think they're in a good spot here. Yeah, I I think one thing to quickly add that, um, you know, I probably should have mentioned earlier is like, I think the biggest thing looming over this this entire series for me is, is the health of LeBron and AD. Um, you know, I, I think both guys had moments. I mean, you, you mentioned the the multiple games in the teens for AD. Like, you know, part of that was was Memphis's defense and and the way that uh, you know Xavier Tillman was able to body him one on one. Honestly, in, in similar ways to how Kavon Looney and, and Draymond Green were able to defend him in the regular season as well, but. I think part of it too is AD and, and LeBron have both not really looked physically right uh, since kind of the end of the regular season. You know, for LeBron uh, coming back from from that foot injury uh, really earlier than anyone expected. I mean, everything we had heard kind of around the team was maybe the final few games of the regular season. He comes back with eight games left, and he's had some good games. He's had some good moments. Uh, he, he's, I mean, still throwing down these ridiculous dunks uh, in, in game, but like. Overall, kind of for the aggregate, LeBron has not been the same player offensively since his return. And I, I think AD, uh, you know, has, has kind of had some of those moments as well, where um, you know he was someone that was resting back to backs throughout most of the season. And uh, I think just the workload that he's had to endure, you know, partially with LeBron out, uh, that's kind of you know uh, caught up to him. So I think for, for both guys, like the, the Lakers really needed, I, I think that this few days of rest here. I think it's going to, you're going to see a spry group coming out of game one, but then after that it's every other day. And I know it's, it's probably going to add up to both sides where, you know, both sides have guys in their thirties, but I just wonder like if LeBron plays the way he played in the Memphis series, I think the Lakers definitely lose this series. Like they need a LeBron that we haven't really seen since his return from injury. All right, let's take a quick break right there. Cause the perfect segue, I want to talk more LeBron, more Steph on the other side. Let's hone in on, the superstars in this matchup, and uh, and we will be right back on the other side of this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. 
And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Or dealer. All right, gents, uh, let's, like I said, dive in on more LeBron, more Steph. Jovan, your point about LeBron is, is well taken because uh, I was going to get your perspective on that front. If I told you going into the first round, you know, hey, Jovan, you know, Lakers beat writer extraordinaire, uh, LeBron's going to average 22, uh, 11.2 rebounds, 5.2 assists. He's going to shoot 48.6% from the field. Which for kind of you know a, a mortal man it sounds just fine, but he's had plenty of playoff series where he was in the 60s um, or in that neighborhood, and he's going to shoot 19 and a half percent from three on high volume, 6.8 attempts per game. That would not bode well, you would imagine, for the Lakers. But again, they are built differently. Um, spin it forward for me with LeBron. Uh, is he trending in the right direction? Um, what are you seeing in terms of his impact in winning basketball from the run? Well, he, he's found different ways to, to impact the game where, you know, game four, he gets uh, a 2020 first time in his career, you know, playoffs or regular season, he grabs 20 rebounds in a game, uh, ends up, you know, making the, 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 the layup to send the game to overtime, then uh, the game ceiling and one over Dylan Brooks. Uh, he flexes to the crowd and, and roars. And uh, that, that was really, a, I think, a special moment for, him and the Lakers crowd with, with, you know, honestly, there haven't been many of them with, with their championship run coming in the bubble. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a lot of playoff moments to celebrate, but that was one of them uh, that I think, you know, is going to be when we look back on LeBron in LA, like that, that's going to be one of those plays and one of those moments that I think is, is referenced. But uh, I think for LeBron, he, he's been very jump shot heavy. And you mentioned like that, that 19% on threes has primarily been just, him going like two for nine a lot of nights or, or, you know, four for, for 14. And it's like, he's just relying too much on his three point shot. And, you know, the, the Grizzlies were able to, to get away with Xavier Tillman defending LeBron, uh, you know, one-on-one uh, for, for a lot of that series. And the fact that he either didn't have the confidence to, to drive by Xavier Tillman or, or just couldn't in, in some instances, you know, would try to put a couple moves on him. Xavier would, would, would hang with him. And it was just like, this does not look like the LeBron that we're accustomed to blowing by the best defenders in, in the league. And now he's, he's got this you know, six, eight big man uh, center who who's kind of slowing him down. So I wonder, you know, how, how golden's, I mean, I'm interested to see what, what Slater thinks, but you know, to, to Draymond's point, like he has been much more off the ball and that's been the Lakers kind of splitting the ball handling duties between LeBron D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Dennis, when he's on the floor, um, you know, they'll, they'll run some, uh, second side actions to, to get him in mismatches and, and post him up. I saw him, he'll of course run pick and roll with AD when they really need a bucket, but, uh, definitely more off the ball than, than we're accustomed to seeing. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, can golden state get away with Kavon Looney on him during stretches, like, and, and maybe putting Draymond on AD, like I, I'm really interested to see well, how they approach This it. is, this is where it was absolutely imperative that Andrew Wiggins returned to the team. 
like this type of matchup. Like they can't handle a big wing if Andrew Wiggins isn't there. But now that Andrew Wiggins is back, and you know he wasn't great in Game Seven, but I think generally, considering he missed two months, Sam and me were there. Like that was a pretty impressive series from Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, particularly shameless plug. From- uh, I'll have a little conversation with Andrew coming out on the website by the time this is out on. Tuesday, Tuesday, I guess, and he yeah. not to interrupt you, Slater, but like he's the head, you know the headline of our conversation was was him saying it's only going to get better from here. He talked about his wind, uh, how he he spent a lot of last playoffs picking up full court, and he's like, I haven't done it once in mm-hmm. these playoffs, um, and so I do. I think that's a huge factor for sure. Yeah, he ha- since he's gone to the Warriors has become an elite wing defender, which you know is. His- was absurd to think about a couple years ago, but you even go back to that playing game that Yovam referenced earlier. He was good on LeBron in that game. And then obviously you go to the playoffs last year, great on Luca, great on Tatum. Remember what he did to Tatum in the finals. So like, this isn't some like, you know, throw Andrew Wiggins into the deep end. How's he going to handle it? This is, I think they feel very good about like Andrew Wiggins taking a bulk of the LeBron matchup. You know, they just against De'Aaron Fox had t- had a tough time. I think Wiggins has a more difficult time with quicker guards like the Ja Morants, the Foxes. Um, but he's six foot eight, wiry, strong. Uh, what they can't do, which they tried on Fox, was like Gary Payton. You know, maybe Gary Payton gets a little bit, but he's really small for LeBron. Dante DiVincenzo, too small. Um, the guy who I think is a wild card in this series who completely fell out of the rotation uh, during the last one and didn't really like that he did, but uh, it's Jonathan Kaminga. You know, physically, he can match LeBron just from a, you know, size, speed, lateral quickness, jump, all that. Um, but where he's got to get his head right, got to find lineups where he makes sense because, man, the Lakers ignore him offensively. And he's not a horrible three-point shooter. He shot like 35 36%, but they just back off him so much, dare him to shoot – and he wants to believe that he's going to make the shot that it sometimes kind of stalls the Warriors' offense out. So as far as the LeBron plan, though, I don't think you'll see much Looney. I think it's just going to be a lot of Wiggins, a sprinkle of some Kaminga if they can get him on the court. And then maybe at key moments, if LeBron's like really going off, you just Draymond, you know, kind of like they did against Fox, right? If he needs to be the firefighter, if if the the house is burning down. Guys, can we have the obligatory, and I may be tired, maybe cliche, but I think also interesting discussion about, you know, dot, 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 legacy. You know what I mean? I know. I knew he was going to say legacy. I know. But but I don't pull this card. I really don't pull this card that often. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's it's a little weird in the second round. Um, It's funny because I just, I hesitate to bring this up for a second round series, but it is true. And and here's the way I want to frame it. Um, I, I mean, Steph... We, you know, he gets plenty of love, plenty of respect. Everybody knows he's an all-time great. Um, I was watching uh, the good old four-letter network today, and Kendrick Perkins made a hell of a point when he was actually analyzing the all-time playoff records of some of the the best players in today's game. And the point he made about Steph was that in terms of winning percentage, it has been overlooked. That, and we're just talking about who's going to win Warriors Lakers. Well, guess what? Steph Curry has had 27 playoff series in his career. He's 23 and four. Like it's just absolutely insane. And uh, they just always... moved to 19 and 0 against Western Conference teams in the playoff oh, yeah. series. I actually being a smartass, I, I thought about this earlier with the John Morant quote. You know, now we fine in the West. It's like no, Steph Curry's fine in the West. That's who's fine in the West is the dude who never loses in the West. 
19 and 0 in the West, 23 and 4 overall, because we hyper focus in the media on championships, right? And so it is fascinating that Steph and LeBron are both at four. LeBron has, and we, with LeBron, you're talking about that combination of championships and sustained greatness and always contending. But he's been in 51 playoff series, 51. He's 40 and 11. I mean, that record is phenomenal as well. Uh, you know, it, you whenever we would uh, every year at the Athletic, we do these anonymous prediction things with scouts and executives. It always cracks me up because almost every person we talk to, they can't help themselves. One of the quotes is, "Well, I just can't bet against LeBron." Like that's what you hear every single time. Well, that's why this series is fun because guess what? You really shouldn't bet against Steph either. Uh, the historical framing of it, I think, is is fantastic. It's just going to make it fun to watch. Uh, but I, my ultimate point is that, man, with Steph, you know, and I know it's not, again, a boxing match. It's a team game. But this body of work and this 23-4 and four record um, and this continued greatness, this series he's coming off with the Kings, and I just looked at this, of all 27 series in terms of just good old-fashioned scoring, that was his fourth highest scoring total in a series of the 27 at 35 years old. And and LeBron's doing what he's doing, even with a tough first round at 38. It's kind of like Draymond said after game seven, like let's not try to turn the page too quick on the old fellas. Cause damn, they're still good. Yeah. Two of the top 10 players in the league. I mean, Steph definitely is where we put LeBron at this point. He's still probably. Yeah. I thought you were top. saying all like, cause to, to me, Oh, all time, all time. Like the, the all-time thing. I mean, I, this isn't. It's not the same as winning a finals, obviously. Um, and and but I think I, I wrote in my preview like, like I feel like LeBron looks at this as the, there may as well be twelve Dylan Brooks uh, on the other team. Like I, I think this is going to be personal for LeBron. Uh, I think if he could get a win against the Warriors, uh, a win against Steph as the underdogs yet again, uh, for basically every, I mean, I, this is obviously the closest it's probably been maybe since 2016, uh, I would say in terms of like the matchup, but for sure. Uh, I mean, Durant was on the, the yeah, last. So, game, so, so, but I think for, for LeBron to win this series, I, I think it would mean something to him. Obviously again, not, the, not the same as beating the warriors in the finals, not, not the same as winning a championship, but I think like for, for both sides, really, if Steph could get another one up on LeBron and is four and one in the playoffs against him, or LeBron could get another one and now it's two and three and, and that's a little bit more even, like, and then he can, you know, the because the other thing to this is that's going to be fun is like Lakers Twitter versus Warriors Twitter. They've been on each other's corners for for years, and and LeBron fans versus Steph fans, and like, you know, LeBron wins, it's going to be oh, we'll see what would have happened if if KD wasn't there, and if if Steph wins, it's going to be we'll see. You know, he didn't need KD. Like, it's just going to be back and forth with, with the 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 fan bases and everything on, on Twitter with, with, with all sure. this. So I, I think it matters to both sides. I think it obviously matters a little bit more to LeBron just because the Warriors have have kind of been that thorn in his side for for years where if the Warriors never existed. LeBron probably has six, seven championships. It's just, you know, Steph went out there and then they got KD in it. They were just impossible to beat. So I think for LeBron, if, if he could beat the Warriors and, and you know, again, not even it up, but, but get it closer to even, I think that that matters. No, well, not only that, right? Remember when the Raptors won in 2019, it felt like they stamped out the dynasty. And they're the ones. There was an extra like layer to their title because of that. Um, we just saw it in the first round with the Kings, Sam, right? 
that wouldn't have just been the Kings winning a first round series, which the city would have been, you know, adoring if they had taken down the Warriors and potentially, you know, shoved the final dagger in the dynasty. Because right. that's what we are potentially seeing right now. That's what felt like it was on the line in game seven when we were at yesterday. So, um, yeah, there's there's extra weight to beating the Warriors, and there's certainly extra weight to beating the Warriors if you may be the one that ends the Warriors. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. You gave me a flashback, Slater, to uh, pregame at Game 7, and I wrote this. These Warriors and their spirit, and it sounds weird to give a hat tip to an owner. Joe Lacob has never hit a jumper with a Warriors jersey on, but there is something wild about the way they move um, because – and I probably wasn't going to write this unless they won because, you know, and I got his green light to write it. But, like, they – I'm talking to Joe pregame, and I and I, I don't even know why I was feeling so – I don't know what the word is – unfiltered. But I literally said to him, like, man, I would love to, to kind of be a fly on the wall in your boardroom um, considering everything that's at stake. Of course, you guys want to extend this runway. And I'm paraphrasing, but I, I just put it on the table and said, but if you don't, if you, if you lose tonight – like my goodness, and, and they kind of just left it hanging right there. And Joe looks at me like I wrote, like I had three heads. He just it turns his head, looks at me, goes, "If we lose, we're we're not losing." You know, it was like, "Oh, okay, all right." You know, and they get it done, and and that's who they are. I mean, they they have defiantly continued to do their thing, and they have, but. There's a reason they went to seven against the Kings. There's a reason their backs were against the wall. There's a reason that game six existed where they got blown out by the Kings at home. This I'm is not, not saying they're impervious. A super stable state. They're not in a super stable state. Well, listen, let's let's give a hat tip to what our Marcus Thompson and, and Shams wrote about that Steph Curry yeah. speech going into game seven. To your point, Slater, okay, the, the headline, the takeaway, the interesting part is, man, Steph, who never speaks up, had a lot to say to his guys. You know what else was clear that he had to handle? He had to clean up their mess, which is guys are are not in the right headspace. Guys were possibly looking at their own situations and, and getting sideways in terms of the, the way they are functioning or not there's functioning. There's been a lot of sniping. Right. And that's it. Me and Marcus just did kind of like a secondary video that's on the Athletics YouTube feed. Andrew Select, you're going to be very happy I said that. <laughs> YouTube feed, subscribe now. <laughs> Watch this. Uh, me and Marcus did a video kind of going into more detail about what Steph may have, why he felt the need to deliver that speech. But, you know, there's, it's just been, it's not anything over the top. There's no explosive, you know, like a preseason punch type situation that has happened, like round two of that. But it's just a lot of sniping. And as uh, Sam mentioned, like personal situations, Jordan Poole's and, and his struggles are obviously at the forefront of that. Um, Jonathan Kaminga not getting a role uh, in well, the last I mean, series. And Slater, what's up? what you're hitting on is is so interesting because we have, in the matter of six weeks maybe, we have gone from, I mean, the two-timeline discussion was still kind of alive six weeks ago. Um, you know, the James Wiseman trade, of course, changed it a lot. And, and so it should surprise nobody that there's this human component behind the scenes internally with the Warriors where – by the time you get to the playoffs, like Steph and the old fellas have basically, you know, like gotten this thing to a place where no, we we're just extending the runway. That's what we're doing. And a large part of that is the young fellas have not stepped up and they have not seized the time that they've had. And I yeah, can see I where think, that would cause a lot of angst. Yeah. And again, this is the flaw of the plan that's easier to look back on and and I guess diagnose, but it's like 
Jonathan Kaminga, understandably, as a raw prospect coming in, and he's still very young, wasn't isn't necessarily ready to play high-level playoff defensive basketball and just eliminate defensive mistakes and only play sharp, you know, role player type stuff. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think Jonathan Kaminga at 25 is going to be like fringe all-star wing, potentially. He flashed a lot in his second season. So I don't want to look back and go, failed draft pick. I don't think it's a failed draft pick. But, you know, when they need specific four-minute spurts from a role player in a series, it's tough to tell second-year player that wants to go out there and be like, ooh, I'm on the playoff stage. Let me get my Paul George on right now. It's like, no, they don't need that. They need the role-playing stuff. And right. I like that imbalance that difficult to navigate situation that i just didn't think they saw coming when they decided to infuse the roster with all this youth um and it's been a problem and then i just think pools had a up and down choppy season and he had a bad first round series he was really good in the playoffs last year jordan pool was probably what their fourth fifth most important player in the playoffs so i just think he's in a little slump good stuff uh yovan who are you going with in this one i think you said you had warriors so no, so originally I had Warriors, then I, I okay. dug into it more. I, I'm going Lakers in seven, but it's like 50.1% confidence versus, you know, 49. <laughs> like, I'm, this is like splitting hair. Like, I'm really tempted. Like, uh, you know, I might change my mind before game one. Uh, I think this is a really close series. Lakers. Lakers moving on. I do think it's going seven. Yeah. And I, I think I think there's a chance that, like, you know, we, we see one of those LeBron performances that, if this ends up going seven and it's like you have a chance, you know, Slater was saying like to end the Warriors, it, it's Mortal in Chase Kombat Center. Style it's, it's not the same, you know, it's not the same as, as Oracle. Um, no offense, but uh, it, it's just, you know, uh, and I think that's where you could see LeBron kind of summon something we haven't really seen from him and he could have his own kind of game seven moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's close. I, I think, I think the war like I'm I'm more confident I guess in the the Warriors matchup advantages than the Lakers. Uh, I I do think that the three point shooting is something that Lakers are gonna have trouble uh, kind of matching up with because they just don't have the same firepower. But uh, I, I think two of the three best players are on LA's side, so I'm gonna lean Lakers slightly. But I, I could easily see Warriors winning this. Lakers are gonna be able to stop the Warriors, I think, for for long stretches. That's their the way they win. Is they I just think if they really condense it up, um, man, a game seven in Chase Center, it would be at the end of what would would have been a marathon series. And for the Warriors, you're talking about a marathon twenty day stretch where game five, game six, game seven was all played, you know, with only one day off of the King series I'm talking about. And and we know just the emotion surrounding those games. Um, and then you're talking about only one day off between every game of the series. You're talking about game seven will be, like I said, the 10th straight game with only one day off, high level, high intensity in Chase Center for an old, both teams, older teams. I bet that would be like a super low scoring, like, physical, you know, drawn out marathon game seven where both teams are sitting there knowing the conference finals, whoever wins starts, you know, it's like two days later. Lakers Celtics 2010. Yeah. Yovan, uh, so I got Warriors in this thing. I don't know how many games. It's always, uh, you know, I mean, seven sounds pretty exciting. Um, Let's go seven. Just commit to it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm I'm with Slater and the idea that the Warriors' offense, I think, is going to struggle 
a lot more. The Kings play better defense than I thought they would, but that's that's a measured compliment because their defense was pretty bad the regular season. And I think they will struggle at the rim. Steph's not going to be able to do, I don't think, what he did in Game 7 against the Kings on the regular. Um, you know, they could become that jump-shooting team that that then gets a little sideways on that end. So, um, yeah, Warriors, however long, you know what I mean, seven's possible, maybe a little bit earlier, but but I think Golden State moves on. Slater? Yeah, um, I actually lean Lakers in seven. I just, I think it's going to be really difficult for the Warriors to score. I think that... Um, it's, this is the end of what I what is a very tiring season for the Warriors. I think you saw it in that King series. Uh, it is very difficult to pick against, you know, particularly the player I just saw score fifty in a game seven, and all, you know what Draymond is as a playoff competitor, what Clay has been, what their coaching staff has shown over the course of series, you know, figuring stuff out. Um, but I just it feels a little bit like. That Raptors series, the in the end of that playoff run, where it was just like the exhaustion felt like it was it was catching up uh, to the franchise in general, organizational fatigue. We all know the situation looming with Bob Myers, even with Draymond, all the summer stuff. Um, I just think if, if the Lakers can really defend at you know a very very focused level, I just think it's it's going to be tough for a tired Warriors team. And I think game one is very stealable for the Warriors or for the Lakers. And that's the one to go into chasing to try to get. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe yeah, I'll be ridiculed turnaround. for picking against them because it is difficult to pick against them. But I just, I, you know, I, I, I think they're vulnerable. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, gentlemen, appreciate you. Look forward to seeing y'all in person doing our thing and uh, we'll see you down at Chase tomorrow. And thank you as always to the listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.